Thank you. Maybe see you this morning. And I just wanted to mention a verse of scripture in Luke. Luke says in verse 19, verse 10. If you want to turn there, you can turn there. I'm going to be pretty quick. But Luke 19, 10 says, Jesus speaking, he said, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. You ever felt, well, let me ask you, have you ever been lost? Anybody ever been lost? Okay. How many of you uh, thank God for phones and directions that your phones give you, all right? So, you know, anyone under the age of, of 20 probably doesn't realize that there used to be these things called maps. Okay, it wasn't Google Maps on your phone. It was the Atlas, right? How many of you had the big Atlas maps under your car? How many of you could never figure out how to fold it back? So you finally just bought the book. How many of you had the book, right? I remember, I remember as a college student um, traveling, we, we traveled with a group for Baptist Bible College, and we went all over the country. It would have been wise had someone set a schedule where we, we just kind of made a circle of the country, but we actually made a star across the United States. Uh, we, we were in Utah, we were in Texas, we were in Michigan, we were in Pennsylvania, we were in Florida, Georgia, California. And not in a, any kind of order. Like we were in L.A. one Sunday morning and we had to drive to Utah for Wednesday night service. And then back to Midland, Texas for Sunday morning service. Back to Lake Texoma for camp on Sunday morning. So that was a wonderful schedule. But one thing I did learn to do on that trip was to read a map. Right? We read a map. And so being lost is no fun. How many of you have ever been really, really lost? I remember when I was in high school, we took a trip to Mexico. And, uh, of course, that was before cell phones. If you guys, there used to be life without cell phones. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, and, uh, and I was with a fearless leader who uh, our, our truck broke down and we were lost in Mexico about midnight, having no idea where we were going. And, I, and I'm, I'm thankful my dad let me experience that with him. And uh, so... Not to blame anybody or anything like that, but, but being lost is scary. Um, but what's the solution to being lost? Being found. And, and you can't really be found until you're what? Lost. You can't, you, can't ex- you can't enjoy the feeling of being found until you're first lost. And, and what everyone in the room needs to understand this morning is that we are all born lost. So when Jesus said in Matthew 18, or excuse me, in Luke chapter 19, when he said, I came to seek and to save that which is lost, who's he speaking of? Mankind, humanity. Because of our sin, God says that we are born into sin because of Adam. Everybody say, thank you, Adam. And because of his sin, we, we are all born lost, without God, without a Savior. And, and, and if we die lost, then the Bible says we're going to spend an eternity in a place called hell. And so why do we spend $10,000 on, on desserts? Is because we know that kids are lost and we want kids to be found. Why do you sacrifice? I mean, I'll be honest with you, uh, the last few years, I, I'm, I never get to even buy a dessert because you guys just bit it up so high and I just get angry at you a little bit. 
And so I usually have a set amount that I'm going to spend, and it always goes over that. So I usually, you know, just give my money because I could never afford a dessert. How many of you do the same thing, all right? So that's all right. It's all for the kids, right? And, and I'm thankful that you share your desserts with me anyways. But what, it's not about, you know, the, the triple-layer chocolate cake that my mom makes, which is pretty amazing. Very amazing. I mean, I'd love to have one this summer, Mom, wherever you're at, you know. Birthday's coming up. Anyways, or, or you know, how many of you want to bid every summer on, on the, the banana pudding? Ooh, can I get an amen for banana pudding? Somebody's excited back there. I, if I had one right now, we might make some money right now, right here. But it's, it's not about the chocolate cake or the banana pudding, is it? It's about these kids who are lost being found. And as much as we want to spend a dessert or, or spend $300, $800 or something on a banana pudding, it's not about the banana pudding, is it? And as much as we, we as a church have embraced that we want, to, we want to invest in these students and we want to invest so that these kids who have, have been born lost can be found, it doesn't even compare to the fact that Jesus is seeking them. In, in fact, all of us and all the money we could give and all the, the prayers we could send and all that we would seek to save those which are lost, whether they're young or old, is of no value if, if God is not involved. And the, and the reality is that everyone in the room needs to understand that you were born lost and yet Jesus is seeking to find you. So being lost is, is okay if you want to be What? found. And, and I'm here to tell you this morning that Jesus is looking for you. That Jesus is seeking for you. And, and Tuesday night at camp we heard a, a great story. So Genesis chapter 16 and I'm going to, no I'm not even going to say I'm going to try to be quick. Genesis chapter 16 this morning. A great story of someone who was lost and, and no one around them seemed to be looking for them. You ever felt you ever been in a, in a crowd but still felt alone? And it seems in our culture that the more connected we are through the, the devices we have, the less connected we really are. How much harder it is to just have a conversation with someone, right? And we live in a world where a lot of us are lost. And, and the speaker this week gave some statistics about uh, how many selfies we take? How many even know don't don't even know what a selfie is? Anybody not know what a selfie is? Okay, how, who knows what a selfie is? Okay, so a selfie is pretty simple. It's when it, you take a picture of yourself. And he talked about all the hours and hours that we spend as Americans uh, taking self selfies, and um, it adds up. So the average of Americans spends two and a half days a year taking selfies, right? But, but hold on, and now these are statistics that I was given by our speaker, John Decker, so don't judge me. That's the average of the Americans, or maybe just the world, but, but let's talk about the girls for a moment. Who thinks the average is going to go up when we're talking about girls? Okay, that's y'all's vote, not mine. I'm not, I'm not saying anything. The statistic says almost 11 Days a year spent by girls taking selfies and editing them and making sure they look just right and all that good stuff. How many of you take a lot of selfies? You guys take a lot of selfies? No? The guys are saying no, the girls are saying yes. 
How many of you girls think the average is pretty accurate? You spend about 11 days a year. How many of you spend more than that? All right. So you guys raise the average up for the rest of us, all right? So, again, it's an average. So some of these kids are spending 15 days a year taking selfies. And, and in all this culture of, of wanting people to see us, probably more than any other time in history, people don't feel like they've been, they're being seen. And they're lost. And that's why we're searching for fulfillment, aren't we? We're searching for someone to notice us. In Genesis chapter 16, we, we hear a story about a lady named Hagar. And I'll give you a quick context. In Genesis chapter 15, God comes to Abraham and Sarah. And Abraham's 75 years old. And God says, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. And so 10 years they wait. And nothing has happened. So he's 85 years old in Genesis chapter 16, waiting for God to say, to fulfill his promise. You ever felt like you waited on God forever to answer your prayer? And so this is Abraham waiting 10 years. And, and, and we are, we're not going to get to the rest of the story, but eventually he waits 25 years for God to fulfill the promise. So he's 10 years into his waiting right now. And so maybe this morning you're, you've been praying and asking God to move and asking God to do something. A few weeks ago, David, uh, Pastor David talked about Zacharias. And Zacharias was, and Elizabeth were waiting and waiting and praying and praying. And the nation of Israel had not heard from God in 400 years. And there's a season of waiting. Zacharias finally hears from God. And God moves in a great way. And God, all the time, he realizes God already knew and God already cared and God was working. And so in this story, Abraham is 10 years into waiting for God to fulfill his promise for a child because they're not able to have a child. Verse 1 of chapter 16. Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. Again, they're 10 years in waiting of the promise of God, you're going to have children. And she had an Egyptian uh, maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarah said to Abram, she, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. She, she lost faith that God was going to answer a prayer, didn't she? Please go to my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarah. We could spend a lot of time talking about that. But that you guys ever just, you ever had a dumb idea? Your laughter says yes. Right? We've all had dumb ideas. How many of you, you have that friend that when you get together, dumb ideas just seem to flow really naturally? Right? I could tell a lot of stories, but I won't. Verse, so so she, she gets this great idea. The Lord has stopped us from having kids. Has the Lord prevented them from having kids? No. Had God promised that she would have a child? Yes. Should she have waited for God to fulfill his promise? And she should have. And she has this great idea. Hey, Abraham, God's keeping me from having children, so... Hagar is my, my servant. Maybe God, maybe that's God's intention. That you could have a baby with her. And Abraham, who should have been the spiritual leader, and said, dumb idea. Maybe a little nicer to his wife, but dumb idea. What does he say there? Verse 2. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarah. Okay. Verse 3, then Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife, after Abraham had de dealt ten, dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan. So again, they've been waiting 
and they take matters into their own hand. God's made a promise, but they're tired of waiting on God, and they take matters in their own hands. So he went into Hagar, verse 4, and she conceived, and when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. And so obviously there's tension, right, between these two women. Then Sarah said to Abram, Abram, my, my wrong be upon you. I gave my maid into your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. The Lord judged between you and me. So Abram and said to Sarah, Indeed, your maid is in your hand. Do to her as you please. Don't, in other words, Abraham is like, uh, I'm not getting between y'all's fight. Right? I mean, there may be some wisdom in that. I'm not, we won't talk about that. But he doesn't lead, does he? The same thing, Abra- or same thing Adam did in the garden. Remember we talked about that on Father's Day. That men are passive and men don't lead spiritually. And this is what happens when men don't lead spiritually. Sin, sin takes place. And so he, he, he backs away and becomes even more passive. It's not my fault, it's yours. You handle it. So the last part of verse 6, and when Sarah dealt harshly with her, so Abram backs away from the, the decision, I'm going to be passive, I'm not going to, you, you figure it out on your own, it's between you two women. So Sarah deals harshly with her maid, her servant. Can you imagine what Hagar is thinking? How isolated she must be? Was it Hagar's idea to do this? She, she was just being obedient to Sarah. And now she's in this position. And what does she do? She feels isolated, alone, desperate. What does it say she, she does? She fled, the last part of verse 6, she fled from her presence. What's amazing to me is that nobody went after her. She felt alone. You ever, you ever felt alone? You ever felt lost? You ever felt like nobody cares? Nobody knows? It doesn't matter. We didn't, we didn't stop here last, but we talked about Elijah last week. And remember, after he has this great experience on Mount Carmel, there in, in 1 Kings chapter 19, he, Elijah all of a sudden is like, God, nobody, nobody cares. Nobody knows. I'd just soon die. So, so none of us you know, are exempt from having those moments and feelings, do we? And nobody chases after Hagar, the servant. Keep reading verse number 7. Now the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur. So what theologians will tell us, this angel of the Lord is actually Jesus himself. Jesus shows up. So nobody here chased her. She was lost. But who was chasing after her? Jesus. This morning you may have walked in here and and you feel isolated, you feel alone. Or maybe this morning you didn't even realize you walked in the room and the first thing I get up here and say is you're lost and you need a Savior. You need Jesus. And if you don't give your life to Jesus, you're going to spend an eternity in a place called hell paying for your sins. And that's a horrible thing to hear, right? But, But you can't be found unless you first realize you're lost. So the bad news is, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, you're going to spend eternity when you die in a place called hell. The good news is that Jesus 
died on a cross to take your place, and that Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. If you are lost, guess who's seeking after you? Jesus. And Hagar was lost, and she was running, and no one chased after her except who? Jesus. Verse number 8, and he said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, where have you come? Where have you come from? Where are you going? Did Jesus already know where she had come from? Did, did he know where she was going? Yes. Did he know what had happened? Did he judge her? He met her where she was at, didn't she? She was lost. And Jesus came running to her. Where are you going? And where are you coming from? And she answers, I'm fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarah. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand. Now, there's not a lot of dialogue, but I'm, I, I'm wondering, why would I go back if that's what Hagar is thinking? But the angel of the Lord, Jesus himself, says, go back. If, if Jesus tells us to do something, should we do that? Yeah. Verse 10, then the angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly, so that they shall not be counted for the multitude. In other words, God's, Jesus is telling her, when, when you walk in obedience, I'm going to bless you. He gives her the same promise that he gave Abraham. And look at verse number 13. Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees. For she said, have I also here seen him who sees me? Look at that on the screen. Remember, she is lost and desperate. She's running, and no one's chasing after her, except the only one that really matters, Jesus. Tells her what to do, and tells her she's gonna, that, that he's going to bless her, and she gives the Lord a new name. The, the Hebrew word is El Roy, and it means what it says, you are the God who sees. Do you realize how important that is for you in here this morning? That God sees you right now. If you want to fill out the blanks real quick in the outline, because some of you are going to freak out if I don't give them to you, I'll give them to you in a hurry real quick this morning, all right? They're really simple. If you were here last week, it's the exact same outline, okay? If you were here three weeks ago when Dave finished his message, this is the outline he gave you. God knows God cares, and God works. I just want to give you some encouragement this morning. Maybe you walked in here this morning lost. Maybe you walked in this morning and you didn't even know you were lost. And I told you you were lost. It's okay. Because you can't be found unless you're first what? Lost. You can't be rescued until you realize you need to be rescued. And Hagar, as she runs and flees, meets Jesus. 
Jesus is speaking after her. And what does she say? You are the Lord who sees. This morning, right now, right where you're at, I, I want you to understand that the Bible is very clear that God sees you right now. Not only does he see you, but God knows what you're going through. God knows every detail about your life. In Jeremiah, he told Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse number 5, he says that, that he, he knit Jeremiah in the womb and he has a purpose and a plan for him. And, and I want everyone to know this morning whether you're a preteen or a teen or uh, as Dave uh, described the other day, you're well done, that God sees you. God knows every detail about your life, and, and the next, which makes the next statement so much more valuable. Because God sees you and God knows everything about you, but he also cares for you. Peter, it says that, that, we are, uh, that we are supposed to cast our cares and our burdens upon Jesus. Why? Because he cares for us. And, and God loves you so much and God cares for you so much. That's why he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to pay the penalty of your sin debt so that you can have eternal life. So that you who are lost can be found. God knows and God cares, and, and the last one was God works. The verse we've been talking about in uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, that we've been talking and, and really praying over this, this year, says this, Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Do you, did you catch it? All glory to God, who is able, through his mighty power, at work within us. God wants to do a work in your life. These students heard that this week, and these students, many of them, made the decision, I'm going to go all in for Christ. Three of these uh, high school students, junior high and high school students, made the decision that I walked into camp lost. I heard that Jesus was seeking me. And Jesus found me this week. Two of our preteen kids at camp made the same exact decision. And I'm convinced here this morning that there are some adults in here this morning that have acknowledged or realized through God's word and through God's spirit this morning that you are lost. And the only, the only hope for you is that Jesus would find you. And I'm here to tell you this morning, Jesus is seeking you out. He sees you. He knows you, he cares for you, and he wants to do a work in your life. I want to ask you to close your eyes for a moment this morning. And I want to ask very quickly this morning, this morning if God has revealed to you that you're lost and you need to be found. You are lost and you need to be found, that, that you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ. You've never, as these students did, had humility of faith to say, God, I need Jesus. If that's you this morning, you would, you would like me to pray for you. You would just like to admit to me and to the Lord this morning that I am lost and I need Jesus. If that's you this morning, would you, would you put your hands up right now? Just put your hand up. Hold it up high. I want to spot you out. I'm not going to call you out, but I just want to pray for you. Anyone like that this morning, just put your hand up this morning.
What I want you to do this morning is this. If, if you have realized today that you're lost, that you would give your life to Jesus. You can do it right where you're at. You don't have to come forward. You don't have to know all the answers. You don't even have to know all the questions. It's simply admitting you're a sinner, admitting you need Jesus, confessing your sins and asking the the Lord Jesus Christ to be your Savior. So I'm going to say a little prayer here this morning, and and, and if you want to ask Christ to forgive your sins and and to be found this morning, then I'm going to ask you just to repeat something similar. The words that I'm repeating are are not magical. They're just you talking to God, and, and, and it's just a pattern for you to pray. But right where you're at this morning, if you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, the God who sees, the God who knows, the God who cares, the God who works, then just pray the words I pray. Dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know that Jesus died to pay for my sins. I repent of my sins this morning. I ask you to be my Lord, my Savior. Lord, I want to be found today. Thank you for Jesus. Again, I'm going to ask this morning, anyone say, John, I I prayed that prayer. Would you put your hand up right now? Don't hesitate, just put your hand up. I prayed that prayer and I, I gave my life to Christ today. Just put your hand up. In a moment, we're going to stand. We're going to have a time of worship. There's going to be people up here that would love to pray with you. If you made that decision today, I'm going to ask you to come forward and, and talk to someone. If you're not comfortable doing that, I would ask you to grab one of those connect cards and fill it out and say, I gave my life to Christ. Check the box there. the rest of us this morning what's really sad is that nobody went after Hagar and I think that's a description of the church sometimes there's a lot of Hagar's at your work or at your school in your neighborhood they're lost and they're desperate and they're running and we're just letting them walk by. They need someone to tell them that Jesus loves them. Blair mentioned that there were 3,000 people groups in in, in the world today that have never heard the name of Jesus. 4,000 churches in America every year close their doors and people don't hear about Jesus. People are lost and they need us to tell them about Jesus. God, we thank you for this day. Lord, I pray this morning as we have a time of worship, Lord, if, if there's those in here this morning that have given their life to you, that you would give them the courage to walk forward and tell someone about it. Lord, I pray in my own life as I've been challenged this week to, to look for those Hagars that are, that are lost and, and need someone to tell them about Jesus, that I would look. And Lord, I, I know that 
the students were challenged that week, this week as well. Help us as a church to be a church looking for Hagar, looking for those who we can share our faith with. Would you stand with me this morning as we have a time of worship? I love this song, just, oh, come to the altar. Whatever, whatever your need is this morning, God can take care of it. He knows about it. He cares for you. He wants to work in your life. We're up here this morning. If you'd like to have someone pray with you, we would love to pray with you. If you want to have a moment to just pray by yourself, then just come and kneel. We will let you pray, just you and the Lord. But let's worship together as a church.